Welcome to the Chromecast, the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chromecast. My name's Joe, joined here today by Roberto. What's up? <laughs> Robbie. That's Robbie's voice. Roberto Robbie. That's, <laughs> That's my Roberto's my actual first name. Right. Robbie's <laughs> my middle name. Yeah. That's it's true. Why did, why did, <laughs> well, why'd my parents name me that? Why did your parents do that? I don't know. I don't know. Roberto Robbie. You're Roberto Robbie <laughs> Payne. So <laughs> great, great name. For those one. wondering, my name's actually that's... Robert Nathaniel Payne. Yeah, that's my that's my given name. I love. I, I like Nathaniel as a middle name. That's cool. It's a good. It's a good middle name. It's I didn't like one. it when I was younger for some really? reason, but I've grown into it. As we both take a sip of our um, of our beverages that Channel are sponsor. not <laughs> that are not sponsoring us. Nah, just kidding. If We're you'd not... like to do th- that, yeah, anybody uh, from Coke anyone, listening, we love you, Coke Zero. If you'd like to do that, we would. We would gladly take your money uh we do love coke zero it's great it's good stuff um okay let's dig into some news from the week um you just jarred all our listeners and I like, wait you're not gonna side you're not gonna you're not gonna derail sit, immediately gonna sit and talk about random stuff for five minutes wait we're diving second. right in we just talked about uh podcasts that are really long uh and we're we're trying to do the opposite <laughs> we're trying we're trying to just cut right trying to, to get the out chase in like here. 35 minutes right. which never happens never happens but we're going to try so we have some um some cool news that is a little uh specific to some of our listeners uh but we still wanted to talk about it because it's cool stuff and we're doing a giveaway with yeah. these folks so uh the kind folks over at Cameo have partnered up with Google and LG to do a freaking awesome enterprise giveaway we're giving yep. away uh 10 lg devices 10 enterprise upgrades 10 cameo licenses yeah and this is a giveaway that's for anybody that works for a company if you have a yeah if you have a company email address sorry you don't have you're to eligible. own it you don't even have to be a manager you could be the one that gets this and gets the attaboy a girl right um I don't, yeah. We don't care as long yeah. as you're going to put them to use. We just right. want to make sure that you're actually going to use them. If you have yeah. no use for this stuff, then obviously don't don't go enter to win. Because uh, we are going to need to verify, especially yeah. with this one. We did this with our education giveaway that we did with Logitech. Um, but especially with this one, we're, we're going to reach out to you and, and kind of confirm your eligibility. Right. Uh, whoever we pick as the winner. So it's just a cool giveaway. Shout out to Cameo for, for partnering with us on this one. Go click the link in the show notes. Get entered to win. And I will say, like the the LG devices are pretty compelling. Um, it's a all it's a quote unquote all in one. It's basically a Chrome box slapped on the back of an LG ultra wide curved monitor. It's the same one I used to have. It's just the 1080p instead of the 1440 uh, version of that. But it's a great monitor, great clarity, brightness, all that stuff. And then you're getting a Chrome. Well, that's a it's like a thin client box, basically, but they flashed Chrome OS Flex on all of them. So you got Chrome OS, really great screen. Uh, I don't remember the specs on the box, but they were decent enough. Like this, a Celeron processor or something mm. like that. But 
uh, it's going to be good for, you know, workstations and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, hooked to a really sweet monitor, which right. is really cool. Um, and so, yeah, all those licenses and stuff kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, this a, it's is, a sweet giveaway. Like, obviously, if you, if you work for a company, you're, you're eligible. But if you're a business owner, especially you, sure, <laughs> sure. We're, we're, this one's for you all. Um, so if you think you could use this stuff, if you've been maybe thinking about getting into Chrome OS. you know somebody who you're like, hey, they might be able to use yeah. it. like. Small, I mean, this could be for know. small businesses. This doesn't have to be for big businesses. This could be for um, for, for a, a small to even medium-sized business who, yeah, who's yeah. thinking about getting into Chrome OS, has, has thought about making that transition. Maybe you have some some Windows apps or some legacy apps that you still need for your operation. Well, good news. Well, good news. You've got uh, K- Cameo. Cameo uh, and you to don't have to pay for that. it either. Like, it's all free, yeah. which is really dope. So, yeah, a lot of times we give away hardware, and this time it's like there's hardware, but then there's all the services. Uh, that are coming along with it. So your your Google admin stuff's handled. Your legacy apps can be all handled by Cameo. It's yeah, it's a sweet a sweet giveaway if uh, if you're even remotely interested in this stuff. Yeah. So yeah, over on the website we have a banner right at the top. Yeah, so chromebox.com. Uh, you can just click that; it'll take you right to it. Yeah, it's we'll link it down in the show notes as well. Yeah, for but sure. But some all uh, also this week Cameo had a huge announcement. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty and big so deal. So you wrote about it. What did they announce? What what are we what are we talking about here? Uh, it's just it's the official. I don't want to say just. It is the kind of official unveiling of their partnership with um, the the Chrome OS team with Chrome OS as an operating system. So Cameo has been around for a few years at this point. You know, they've kind of been honing their process. And the general idea, if you're listening to this, and excuse me, and you haven't heard us talk about Cameo in the past, like their idea is this, this virtual app delivery system. So you have virtual desktops. I mean, heck, there's Chrome OS uh, or Chrome virtual desktop, uh, mm-hmm. remote desktop, uh, where you can remote into a machine. So you could have you could have multiple Windows machines set up to, that Chromebook users could easily remote into and use. But right. That brings up the whole desktop interface. So you, you deal with all of Windows and all of it's good and bad. You're, you you got to deal with that while you use the app. And it's fine functionally, but it's a lot of extra steps to get to your application. There's not a whole lot of management on the Windows side of things. Like you can manage all, this fleet right. of Chromebooks, but you can't manage the Windows thing on in the same kind of environment. So Cameo cuts out most of the extra stuff so cameo serves windows on their on their servers and then the the admin basically could go in and say okay i want i need these three apps what or five apps or 10 apps or 15 whatever whatever you want um you install those apps and you can if if they're not installable via uh standard modes of operation if you have a particular executable that runs for some factory that controls robots or something you can get that executable file make sure and just you know send it to yourself and upload it to Cameo servers, run the install on that instance. And then once it's done, Cameo can deliver just that application without, I mean, all the Windows stuff's running obviously underneath of it, but it doesn't surface any of that stuff to you. Just surface that one application at a particular URL that's custom to that instance of that app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from the Google Admin Console, they can go add add a URL, uh, add a PWA via URL. You take the URL that Cameo gave you plop it in there push it to all the people and so now your entire fleet of people have access to that windows application in a virtual running in a virtual space but it's it's showing up on the chromebook like an app and so they click it it opens in its own window it's its own thing it's not you're not dealing with all of the other stuff and then 
copy paste works, local printing, printing all yeah. that kind of stuff. They figured out how to route all that stuff through um, uh, Chrome OS so that you don't have to worry about it, those things. So it really has a, a kind of a native feel to it. Um, and then just gives you as a business, the ability to kind of make that final step when we could do Chromebooks, but we only have, we need X, Y, Z app when yeah. that's the problem. Cameo is the solution right. for that. I mean, and it's, it's, it was already well done before. It's not like this changes like now Cameo is really good. Like Cameo was awesome. It's just now really baked into the, the, uh, admin console for Chrome OS. And, you know, it just makes this virtual app delivery super simple for admins um but also super secure so it's it's sandboxed you know it's it's got all the same security standards that you know chrome os deeply cares about and and it gives you an ability to basically deliver windows applications whatever when like it's not just some like whatever windows application you need to your local device and still have access to all the local hardware and peripheral stuff, copy paste, all that kind of stuff works in these. I was testing it earlier. I just mm -hmm. opened up notepad and Cameo and mm -hmm. was copy pasting stuff in and out of it. And I'm like, yeah. and I didn't have to like do anything extra to do it. I didn't have to hit any extra buttons or click any extra things. It just, just worked. And so like that, that partnership now means that Chrome OS just has this baked in. Like you don't have to sign up and then attach Cameo to your admin console and stuff. It's like, it's just, it's there. So when you you pay for your license, you just use it. Um, and so this is basically, I mean, Cameo is still their own company, obviously, but this is, this is the Chrome OS team's way to deliver virtual Windows applications. And I can't think of a better way for them to do it. Um, so this, it answers a lot for enterprise customers. Now it's not for consumers. Um, yeah, well, is, is it scrolling? Yeah. Uh, it's not for consumers, um, but, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, I don't know, it's one of those steps that I'm like, I get, like, this is an enterprise-focused uh, thing, and, you know, it's available now. Uh, when they when they announced this on Tuesday, it, it was available. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that a lot of people listening to this are going, well, that's, that's neat, but I'm never going to get to play with that. Well, for right now, no, you're not. I mean, unless you want to go get an admin, you know, and pay for all that kind of stuff and then mm -hmm. use it, you could. You could spin up your own admin console and your own URL and, and do all this. That's a lot of work, but potentially you could do that. Um, but they haven't ruled out um, the the delivery of this to um, standard consumers down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, they're not. That's just not on the roadmap. Like that's not a thing. But when I asked them about it, they weren't like, no, nah, we'll never do that. Mm -hmm. So now that the Chrome OS team is kind of deeply, you know, embedded with this, like they're, they're really thinking about this as an option. You know, who knows? Uh, I could see a situation down the road where this partnership opens up a little bit and they figure out some creative ways to, excuse me, allow, you know, a consumer Cameo account and you pay for, I don't know what a single license mm -hmm. or something yeah. and you get your instance and you can put your windows apps on there and, and use them here. And again, it's no knock to like, um, uh, parallels or something like that or Citrix or any of these other virtual type, uh, app delivery systems. Those things all probably still have their place, but I think for the majority of people, it's usually one or two apps they need. They just need that little right. bit of stuff. And so, uh, Cameo just kind of takes care of that really, really concisely and just so neat. It's, yeah. it's just a neat package that just delivers what needs to be delivered and it's done. So, yeah. um, yeah, kudos to them for building an awesome product for getting a partnership with Google and yeah. kudos to Google for seeing the, the need the for value, it yeah. and, and, well, and investing. And we've seen stuff like this happen before with something like 
gaming where instead of Google saying, hey, here's this thing we want to do. We're going to spend five years building it. Right. There's somebody out there already doing it, basically, and we can integrate it into Chrome OS. Right. Steam is still its own thing. Google didn't go buy Steam, right? Right. They're just a deep partnership. It's just deeply integrated, and that's kind of what we've got here. And for, for, you know, enterprise folks out there, like, this is... We've always said like people don't care <laughs> where you, where their apps are coming from, especially no. your employees. Like I'm thinking of just folks, um, you know, out in the field who just click the button, the thing yeah. opens, and they do their job. Like they have this one little kiosk maybe thing they need, right. or you know, front desk type stuff, or or I, there's just so many applications here where people are just clicking in, doing their job. Like right. it, it's a utility type thing. They don't care that it's right. And, and running. That, in those circumstances <laughs> when you have to deploy a bunch of devices and you're dealing with Windows and all the security vulnerabilities that exist there. And it's, again, I'm not trying to like knock on Windows. Like Windows is valuable for a lot of things, but that value lies in the fact that it's so versatile and that versatility means that it's very insecure by exactly. nature. And so uh, being able to kind of, cherry pick the little parts of windows you need to put into the, uh, the Chrome OS environment and maintain that security where there's just no vulnerabilities. And yeah, uh, there's this, there's this, uh, I was going to say, what was the one example that, that you- they were actually in? Um, let me see what the name is here. Um, I put one of their, uh, Sanmina. So this quote right here, um, deploying apps with Chrome OS and Cameos, simple session management, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's all handled by Cameo, so we had to focus on the apps we wanted to publish. It was very easy to get set up, ongoing. Uh, stuff's a breeze, especially when compared to traditional virtual desktop approaches, and I, that, that is true. Like, There's this cost-saving measure that goes here because the licensing for all this stuff is cheaper. The deployment of it's easier. It's simpler because you don't have to deal with Windows. You're just having to deal with the, the, just a couple apps you need and the deploy them and Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Job's done. Um, there's a whole video actually on, um, I think it's on the, uh, I'm trying to remember where I saw that, Chrome OS developer page maybe? Mm. I don't know. Uh, but Sanmina did, a, they kind of did a case study on, yeah. on Sanmina. Uh, Fortune 500 company, big. They, they've deployed uh, over the last 10 years, 10,000 Chrome OS devices. Their entire enterprise is run with Chrome OS from kiosk to stuff on the floor to salespeople to whatever they all run chrome os uh so obviously they're probably taking mass advantage of cameo or uh, stuff like cameo um and it seems like they're kind of all on board with cameo now but all that time 10 years ten thousand uh devices zero uh security issues like not one time has something happened to where oh we had a a breakdown and and security got out and so i'm like when you start thinking about that the cost savings the ease of deployment uh, it's unfortunate for, you know, when you talk about like IT management teams, like this stuff comes in and it's like, I don't know if we need all these your, people. Your, your job of uh, fixing vulnerabilities yeah. all day, every day. But that's not a good, you know, that's not a good use of people's time. Like, yeah, hopefully, in theory, I mean, those people should be working on more. You know, hey, hopefully they will. Yeah, they will hopefully now have a new role that is more creative and allows them to do cooler things instead of just fixing broken stuff in Windows. From a you know cost saving standpoint, I mean, this uh, from Cameo. Let's see, Um, Energy or Enterprise Strategy Group brings light to the financial benefits. Organizations that transition to the VAD via Chrome OS and Cameo, fifty four percent reduction in total cost of ownership. 
Um, eighty-two percent savings in hardware, seventy-five wow. percent savings in licensing fees, fifty-three percent decline in operational costs, and so I'm like, "Wow, those are big numbers." When you're talking about Fortune 500 companies that are right. dealing with just massive scale, like that's a lot of money, um, and so you can't blame them yeah. for wanting to do that. Like, um, and so it it it's a it's a really awesome um, delivery system. It's it's a great mechanism. It's a cool thing for. Chrome OS to now have kind of in its pocket. Um, and I think, you know, like there were these kind of watershed moments when Chrome OS was moving into education. Mm-hmm. This is one of those for Chrome OS and enterprise. Yes. Cause I yep. guarantee you, uh, even though enterprise is kind of blowing up with, with Chromebooks and Chrome OS, I guarantee you there's tons of them that have been Just, like, but yeah, that's great. But what are we going to do with our XYZ? Yeah. Cause you've got this legacy piece of Healthcare software that's been stuff like, yeah. There's but, and I think I mean, app, you know, like these, these programs are written for, for robots and stuff that yeah. build things and you know, manufacturing plants and stuff like that, that can't transition all of a sudden they can, you know, and then they deploy all these devices and they don't have to think about them as much anymore. And so like at, at scale, the amount of money that this kind of move saves is, is pretty massive. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just a it's a cool thing. It's a cool story. And again, I know those of you listening, look at it this way. Um, though it's not something that you might go, "Hey, I'm going to go get that and use it," um, like most of the things that we talk about. This is one of those things you can go. Like, hey, if you're a Chrome OS fan, a Chromebook fan, a Google fan, and like this kind of stuff, it's just cool to see it happening. Like, it's cool to see it available. Like, exactly. wow, they're thinking about and and doing those kind of things. Because guess what? The more education Chromebooks and people using Chromebooks there, the more enterprise Chromebooks and people using Chromebooks there we get in the consumer market that just continues to validate the need for these devices. And so our uh, manufacturers are more incentivized to go, okay, this person is growing up using Chromebooks. They're going to go in the workforce, and there's a good chance now that they're going to start using Chromebooks there. Well, guess what? When they come home, if they're just like, I don't really want to learn how to use another operating system, I'm really comfortable with Chrome OS, and there's like seven or eight really attractive looking devices here, that market all of a sudden becomes saturated with people that want to go in and buy a Chromebook specifically. And they're not going to look for a laptop anymore and having to be told, hey, what about this Chromebook? It's like they already know about the Chromebooks from work or from school or from both. Um, and so now the consumer market can be that the the final place where some of that that overflow starts to fill up and so it will affect um these types of moves will affect those of you listening that are going well mm-hmm. this doesn't affect me we don't use chromebooks at work or i don't get to make those choices at work or whatever it's like i'll never get to use this maybe not but it's a big deal for chrome os as a whole so 100 uh, very yeah. cool stuff yeah and we've always like we just love seeing chrome os mature and expand right. and like you know, uh, like you said, there were certain things that happened in the EDU space over the uh, last really five years or so yeah. where we're like, oh man, awesome. Like cool to see so many kids growing up with Chrome OS. This is kind of that, that next yeah. push I feel like for the enterprise and making it easier for, for companies to yeah, adopt Chrome OS. So, it, it, it will change things yeah, drastically. Cool. I, it'll be cool. I think hopefully Cameo or Google or maybe both of them will have some numbers a year or two from now to look back at this moment and to see like, here's, here's how this changed adoption for, for big companies. Here's how, here's how much money it saved them. All of those things. That'll be, I imagine they're going to track that stuff. I would would hope so. Be good (laughs) good stats for them to have, obviously. If not, not, uh, you should get on that. Uh, (laughs) let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, I just remember that we have a call to 
o'clock. Uh, so um, anywho, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about l- too many uh, irons in the fire. I know. Baby. Let's talk about lacrosse and uh, chrome decoupling. Let's talk about that, and then we'll kind of take a little break, and we'll come back. But cool. let's. I think we can fit in. Yeah, we across discussion. So you've been tinkering with it. You wrote an article today. Yeah, uh, we we think it's coming very soon. We're a little delayed on the one sixteen release. We're wondering yeah, if maybe two days it's behind. So maybe that's they're trying to make sure that those bits and pieces are there. So there's there's a couple pieces to this. So um, one sixteen should have like most of the bits and pieces in place for a, a true beta testing of lacrosse. So. Um, at, at this point right now, um, what, what I wrote this morning is that, Hey, you can, you can go through and you can see on here, it's two steps. <laughs> you can go through two steps and you can start using lacrosse right now. Um, it's not, it's not that difficult. Um, we kind of walk you through, uh, what, what it is and why it's important. Um, but ultimately, you know, like if one sixteen, we've talked about that I think on the podcast or um, the pieces will be in place hopefully for some actual testing like because what we're doing here with flags and there not being any kind of follow-up to it is like well I don't know this isn't really beta testing this is people that are going out of their way to do this um, <clears throat> so you've got 116 coming with the pieces in place and then also there's there's the part of this where people are going okay what is that again <laughs> like, why, why is yeah. this important so I feel the need constantly to be like okay I know most people that come across this article don't know what lacrosse or they forgot about what it was or something um, lacrosse is just short for Linux and Chrome OS uh, Chrome OS is referred to as CROS a lot of times internally um, and the idea being in a nutshell if we can split the Chrome browser which is highly intertwined with Chrome OS at this point. If we can split that away from the OS and make it just an app, it's just Chrome, the browser, just like it is on Windows and Mac and Linux. It's just a browser. It's an app you can install or uninstall. You don't have to. Well, on a Chromebook, obviously, you're going to keep having to have it. Like There's not going to be a choice to uninstall it. However, it will run on its own, detached from the rest of the OS. And so what that means is uh, a couple things. One, you can we'll start to see those weekly Chrome OS update or Chrome updates for the browser. They've just switched to that like last week or two weeks ago. So 116 introduced weekly updates for Chrome. We'll start getting those once what this is once Lacrosse is rolled out. Uh, we'll start getting those, which is nice. It's more secure. Um, they don't have to worry about updating the entire OS in order to get that update. It's just a it's an app update, just like any other app. It can just update. Um, but that also means those updates can continue once the AUE has been met on a Chromebook. So auto expiry date is still there. You're not going to get any more OS updates, no more new features, no, none of that stuff. But if you think from a security standpoint, where the vulnerabilities are on a Chromebook are always going to be with the browser. It's always going to be where you connect to the outside world. Lacrosse comes in. It replaces 100% replaces Chrome on a Chromebook, uh, meaning that all your PWAs, all that stuff, are going to run in lacrosse windows now now it's not going to be called lacrosse when it launches it's just we're not going to it's just chrome yeah uh that's just its code name um but you know it'll take over all those things and basically it means that you know aue hits they can keep updating chrome no different than if your windows laptop stopped getting windows updates it didn't mean chrome stopped getting updated now eventually you know software will say not compatible at this you know, with this version, like if a huge OS change happens, but I would say it will extend the life of Chromebooks for years uh, after the fact. So 
that's a, that's a good thing. And then the, just the updating in Chrome is, is an awesome thing. So, I mean, those are, those are good things to have. And, and plus it gives us finally the profile switching that, uh, you would get on like Linux, uh, Mac, windows, all that kind of stuff. So Chrome has, it's like the entire browser has a thing where you can log into your, um, your profile basically. So you can have a couple different profiles, which means you can separate your bookmarks. You can separate your passwords. You can separate all that stuff. And depending on the instance of Chrome you're using, they can still log into Google services or whatever with both of those. It doesn't matter. But what's going to mean is that in the future, as people come over and go, well, I'm going to come from windows and I'm going to give a Chromebook a try. And they start trying a Chromebook. Well, when they approach Chrome, it's going to, the whole logging in and syncing process with Chrome is going to feel exactly like it did on windows uh, because it's going to be the exact same thing. Like there won't be Chrome and then Chrome OS Chrome. Like there's all these Chrome browsers and they get all these things and we talk about all that stuff. And then there's Chrome OS Chrome that always has to kind of be behind and figuring it like it'll just yeah. be one of the groups of Chrome browsers, um, which is really cool. And so all of it got me thinking this morning, I was like, I'm curious what right now in one fifteen, but while we're waiting on one sixteen, what happens if I flip lacrosse on problem is when you go to Chrome uh, flags and start searching lacrosse everything said chrome flags gives you a description tells you what operating systems it's going to work on well lacrosse is in all of them now because it's a lot so it's just like <laughs> all of these i pulled it up whenever i was setting up a new device and so i was looking ago. like uh, <laughs> what is this and so i scroll and scroll and scroll and i was like okay i'll just wait till i see it highlighted over in like the title of the flag and finally found so you turn it on and then you can tell it to force it to be your primary uh and then there's another flag you can force it to be the only browser i wouldn't do that um Forcing it to be the primary kind of hides. What are the main, what are those flags? Do you have them in that article? Yeah. Before? So um, for those watching they on YouTube, are pretty straightforward. If you search uh, lacrosse support and then lacrosse primary, um, one quick word. <laughs> put it down here. If you do the <laughs> do the primary, uh, your main browser stuff kind of disappears. Like you don't see it, and it it takes a minute when you restart to kind of get back to like it redoes all your PWAs for you that you have kind of like pinned and installed because you know, they're all running in a new browser now. So you kind of got to sign into some stuff and it puts all those, but everything goes back to where it was. <clears throat> but what, if you want to turn it off, if you go to flags now in the Chrome browser, you go to the Chrome browser flags. That's not what you need. You need OS level flags. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, uh -oh. <laughs> I don't know how to get back there. It's happened to go back to Michael's article. He wrote about them splitting that a year ago mm. or something. And you can go to OS colon forward slash forward slash flags and it'll okay. pop up the, the OS level flags for you. So, um, good to know. I, ostensibly, <laughs> <You're not trapped. laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, power wash will fix it, but still, um, I, I would think that down the road, um, part of this is they move the flags. I think this, I think Michael found, um, let's see. Yeah. So it, it actually had it as a system system web app. So hopefully I, it'd be nice if they put that either in like hide it in the settings menu, maybe, or even put it in your, you know, your app launcher, um, experimental flags or something. Yeah. Um, cause you need to, you need access to OS level flags still like those will still be there. Like they're still going to do flags for Chrome OS. There'll be flags that, you know, turn on this flag to see the, you know, the new virtual desk, blah, 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 whatever, right. you know, yeah, yeah. so you'll still need to access those or maybe they're just going to make sure you just have to hit OS 
colon forward slash forward slash. Anyway, I'm glad that Michael put that in there because it saved my butt from having to do a full. Because I was like, uh, I can't write this and then be like, yeah. I don't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Figure it and out. And when you want to go back, you just power you wash your device. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, you're all in. Um, so I, I did that first thing this morning. Drove uh, lacrosse um, all morning. And again, I don't want to... Um, put the cart before the horse. I don't know why my back gesture isn't working. I was curious what you were doing over there and watching the preview. I'm <laughs> just swiping away. I'm just curious now. It's just because you're go not full screen. No, it's not working. You broke huh. it. Oh, I opened it in a new window. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't think I did that. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry. Got sidetracked. Two finger si- swipe left and right goes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally just didn't do that because I didn't have anywhere to go back to. <laughs> there was no back. <laughs> um, there was no back. I'll prove it to you. See, see that? No, like, oh, that's not, it's not, is it casting that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, there we go. I'm casting. Okay. So see, let me go forward. There you see go. That little, see that little thing? That, see it? Woo, 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 woo. That's what I was trying for. Uh, it was not working because there was nowhere to go. But um, I lost where I was. Oh, so I used it all morning this morning. I have not tried lacrosse for, I don't know, it's probably been three months since I messed with it. And I, it was real short. I was trying to check something. And then before that, like trying to use it was a few months even before that. And it was still, there were still problems with it. Some UI stuff was weird looking. And now, I, unless I look up and see my little profile face up there in the right side of the Chrome, you know, Omnibox can't tell that i'm using something else like it's they've cleaned it up that much like everything just works i haven't run into anything yet that doesn't work now i did come across one website today i was looking at possibly booking some some golf for next week when the weather breaks and the background video for that uh, golf course wasn't working it was an mov so i don't oh i'll just pull it up here i'll just pull up right here and see check it out if you're watching on youtube park mammoth golf club so if it dies here, oh no, okay. This Chromebook is unstable, so ah, uh, that's I, I might need to reach out to them, and be like, hey, <laughs> you need to help you. Video isn't working. It was working the other day. Can, can we have some free rounds of golf? I'll, I Robbie I will fix that. <laughs> it might take me a long time. It won't. It's gonna take. It's gonna take me a while. It's gonna but, take me two days of work. Yeah, if I do that, can I have three rounds, yeah. four or five rounds of golf? I Six. Think that's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. It's an amazing golf <laughs> golf course. Like I, I love the golf course so much. I'd probably just fix it for free. Um, really, really excited to go back there. But I don't want to side or derail here. Um, but yeah, using it today, like I just blown away. Like even the web apps and stuff. All my PWAs opening up. Like I had to kind of. I don't even. Figure, I, I couldn't remember. Oh, because I was signed out of everything. That's the only way I knew this is a rebuilt PWA from. Uh, lacrosse and not using because I was like, eh, it's just gonna open those back up in the old browser. But uh, maybe sign into all of them. I like I had to re do the whole thing with WhatsApp, you know, like it was like a new browser. And so uh, some of my two FA stuff is like, uh, remember this browser and stuff. So it was all lacrosse. And I'm I'm telling you, aside from the profile being up there in the top, I I wouldn't know. Yeah. And as a person who's used Chromebooks exclusively for the better part of a decade now I would know immediately yeah. like if they changed something like if it wasn't quite right like mm, something's wrong. like know. that's weird that feels weird nothing feels weird yeah. it feels exactly the same way now it's I'm not cool. saying there won't be some bugs here and there but 
That's what I'm hoping for 116. I hope 116 gives the ability for something like Borealis where it will prompt people to say, yeah. hey, we have this new version. Would you like to try it? And then click the button. It'll restart Chrome and kind of give them some prompts to tell them what they're doing yeah. and why they're doing it. And Here's then a clear way to get feedback. Yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. that kind of beta program needs to, to happen for this. Because this has to work. Yeah. Like it has to work it, across the board. And we talked about this maybe last week or week before. The like slow rollout. Yeah, it's a slow rollout. And if you think about it, like Chrome OS was just Chrome for the longest yeah. time, right? So, so much of the OS is, is tangled in, oh, yeah. in this. And so it's going to take them some time. But like you said... Because of so much of what you do on a Chromebook is opening up the browser and getting things done on the web. Right. If that doesn't work, yeah, you would be. Yeah, even though they're going to detach it, like it's still so fundamental right. to Chrome OS. Right. Um, you know, it's, and I don't want anybody to take away, like, oh, they're decoupling it. So Chrome's not that important. Like, I've already <laughs> had some people ask, you know, what does that mean? We'll just be able to install new other browsers on it. I'm like, mm. eh, no, probably not. Um, because this is a very specialized. Uh, binary of the the Linux version of Chrome, um, they're not going to spend that time to build the same thing for um, Edge or Opera or something like that. So Firefox, we get people yeah. asking us about Firefox. All now the time. you can go install it in, in Linux, yeah, and and I mean it may or may not work. Whatever you may We've have to work a few through. Little tutorials on doing. And there's the Android versions, which says they're mobile, so I, I get it, but. Yeah, I. If you're buying a Chromebook, you need to kind of realize like you're kind of, you're kind of tied to Chrome. You're using Chrome. They're decoupling it, it's, but it's kind of part of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of in the name. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very 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 necessary. It's kind of, it's uh, kind of part of it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know how they would deliver any of those other ones without the team, the Chrome OS team, right, doing so, right, and right, they're right, obviously right. not going to do that. Exactly. So. Yeah. So uh, it's still cool, exciting. Yeah, and I'm going to drive it for a little while and just yeah. see. And hopefully, when one sixteen fully rolls out, we'll maybe see a I'm little hoping more, a little more hand holding. Maybe is there is some of that uh, kind of UI driving people or letting people test or giving feedback that sort of stuff. So, so we'll know more soon. Um, but like I said, we have a, a quick call. We're going to hop on, so we're just going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back. We're going to talk about seven fourteen. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll definitely Pre, talk that pre-review. We've got some cool stuff coming up. So uh, hold tight. We'll be right back. Alrighty, welcome back, everyone. As promised, we got some other stuff to talk about. We hopped over, we knocked out a call. Yep. Rocking and rolling. Now we're One back thing at after it. Another. We're gonna film some stuff after this. Productivity central over here. Yep, never stops. <laughs> so do you want to need some coffee though? Do you want to talk? You want to talk seven fourteen first or wideband? Um, let's talk ultra wideband first. Okay, ultra wideband. <laughs> You like my intro there? Yeah. Which, what that's do you it. Do? That's, that's it. it. Ultra Go. wideband. <laughs> Talk about it. Go. Ultra wideband. What do you know about it? Coming <laughs> to Chrome OS, a yeah. new revolutionary, life changing, life changing. Now, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I did get pinged uh, from Kyle at Nine to Five uh, that they had he had briefly mentioned this, seeing it in um, what he felt was a discontinued uh, Pixelbook. He wrote a piece about Google and Pixel Books yeah. and them discontinuing them and stuff like that. And so I had skimmed that article. I didn't. I had not read all of it because I kind of knew where he was coming from. Um, and in it, one of the uh, discontinued Pixel Books or possible Pixel Books uh, had 
a couple notes of ultra wideband in the development part. Uh, and that was back the very end of the year. So late got, December, you got early the LaCroix burps. I know, man. <laughs> Sparkling water. Get you. Okay. First one, especially uh-huh. the burp went in my nose. My uh-huh. eyes are watering a little bit. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he had seen that at that point and it's like, yeah, man, I, I yeah. honestly didn't read to that point in the article, but, uh, they're, they're continuing work on this. Um, and, if you're not familiar with ultra wideband, it, the the marketing around it can be a little bit um, deceiving, and I think part of part of that is why I've prior to seeing this and kind of going okay, I have to figure out what this is like on a on a local level versus on a you know a cell tower level. Like, what's the difference? And the the truth is, there's not that much difference. Um, it's just the way it's being leveraged, marketed, and used. So uh, ultra wideband consists of like millimeter wave type stuff. So it means it's really, really high frequency waves, way, way higher frequency, still radio type signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way higher frequency than what current Wi-Fi or cellular towers or anything like that use. Um, and it gets you know you can, you can dig into the technology if you're really that interested in how it, how it works. Um, but it's it's different in that you kind of need line of sight. Like it's so high frequency, it just doesn't penetrate walls and stuff like that. And so, a lot of people have heard of millimeter wave because uh, Verizon's been pushing it as part of their five G. And I say part of their five G because that's not their entire five G, nor is it everybody else's fifth generation wireless network. Uh, it's a small part. It's a it's a different uh, way to use a different type of bandwidth to deliver fast data and it's mm-hmm. super fast. Like if you've ever seen anybody that actually gets hooked up to uh, ultra wideband um, millimeter wave 5g. I mean, I remember Marquez crazy, did yeah. a thing. Like it's multiple gigs down and up, you know, it's super duper fast, but he also could turn around and like his body blocks the signal or the tree where you get behind yeah. a tree and <laughs> yeah. it's done. Like it's yeah. not just like it, it slows it down, like totally loses signal. And there, a lot of YouTubers have done some of this stuff. And so the, the interesting thing with ultra wideband is generally speaking, when you talk about wireless spectrum, the higher the frequency, the higher the uh, headroom basically in that in that spectrum. So, the more frequency you have, the the higher capacity for people to be using it is. Um, but the problem is, the higher that frequency goes, the less it can penetrate. Mm-hmm. So, you can't have both. And so, what we've seen, Sprint did this back when I worked with Sprint. It was like revolutionary. They had three spectrums, three main spectrums. I think they were at uh, nine hundred. 1700 and 2500 so if you want to get nerdy you can go back and look at why max uh, that was their first 4g they they were like man we're not doing lte like the rails we're gonna do why max it failed miserably that, obviously yeah. that's why nobody knows what my max is but um you know why max was 2500 uh gigahertz i think it's the the speed there uh frequency i'm sorry there and so you know everybody else is deploying lte on like 900 spectrum and so at that high of a spectrum, like you literally walk indoors and you lose the signal. Lose him, yeah. And so they had to kind of scramble and figure out, okay, we got to tell our phones to be smart enough to go, hey, grab 2,500 when you can. And when you can't, go to 1,900 or whatever their middle one was or 17. I don't remember them now. And then if you can't get anything else, go to the lower spectrum. So the one that can penetrate deeper into the building. Well, the problem with that is obviously the, the, the bandwidth capacity is very low. So the number of people that can use that without your speed degrading is very low. So you don't want people out on the street that could get WiMAX to be hooking to the 900 megahertz spectrum or whatever. I don't remember what they own. So if, if I'm saying the wrong ones, I'm sorry, I forget. Um, 
but six, seven, eight, nine, or kind of your lower, uh, uh, low band. So you hear, you hear that a lot too, low, low band 5G. Um, and so you've got these, these wide spectrums. Sprint phones could use all three. I remember it being a big selling point and like telling people like, wow, you're, this phone can automatically switch. Well, everybody does that now. Uh, that's across the board. Everyone does that. These phones are smart enough to kind of pick the right spectrum and use it when, when needed. And so the idea, I say all that, the idea behind millimeter wave ultra wideband for Verizon and anyone else who chooses to maybe try this, this has not been good, is to put so many of those little nodes that put out 5G in that particular capacity that it, no matter which way you turn you one of them's it. hitting you um they're fake they're trees with you. 5g yeah i mean when you'd have to <laughs> and the idea is hey yeah. in urban areas where it's highly populated and we have lots of buildings and structures to detach these the two buildings they're increase, everywhere yeah. and then as you get into suburban areas and they, you should you know when you're in a place where there's thirty thousand people in a city whatever use the regular stuff you don't need you don't need ultra wideband for that I don't know how that's going for Verizon. I'm not a Verizon customer, but I've not yet seen a, a video where someone's like, finally, this, you know, Boston has full-blown millimeter wave. It's still a mess um, because of the nature of ultra-wideband. But you take that same technology and you bring it indoors in a controlled environment and say you put a couple of those nodes up in your house and your your internet's feeding into something like that that can immediately ping it. Again, it's got to be kind of basically line of sight. You put an ultra-wideband receiver in the other room, it's not going to make it through the wall. So it's limited in its scope in that. But that's one way it could be used. But the other benefit to ultra-wideband is, A, um, it's very low power. B, it is very high bandwidth. And C, uh, it can actually detect because the, I guess the higher frequencies, you know, like radio, radar it has the ability to kind of ping and know where stuff is. This takes it to a different level. Like it's it's giving it enough. Uh, I think it's within a couple centimeters that, that it can detect the position because it's yeah. bouncing so much frequency yeah. off. Like it's getting a really good reading. And I didn't know this until I researched this. That, you know, Wi-Fi knows location too. Like Wi-Fi yeah. is got enough that it can tell general location of things um, and not just you know like geolocation like in the house like it's it's over there you know i can tell that the device that i'm hooking to is over that in that direction uh millimeter wave takes that all to another level so now you take this technology that can do that you put it in devices and instead of bluetooth i don't hook to my speaker with bluetooth i hook to it with a millimeter wave I hook to it with ultra wideband frequencies well it's pretty new so it's only a couple years old we don't have a lot of devices with it um but think about things like air tags you know, the, those kind of like those types of applications where not only do you want to connect to it and be able to move stuff really quick, but knowing that where it is kind of would be really helpful. Um, I think about like wireless um, um, surround sound speaker systems right. for houses, mm-hmm. Sonos, you know, like doing something where now the system, it could be like, hey, I know where you put the speakers and I know which way you aimed them. So I'm going to adjust the sound profile to fit what you did Mm -hmm. in this space. Um, Like that's, that's some cool stuff, but then even simpler things like my watch being able to unlock my Chromebook or my car, you know, like ultra wideband in those kind of scenarios is way better because it now knows positional awareness has the bandwidth to move. Cause uh, I think uh, Bluetooth LE only hits like 1.2 megs per second. Mm -hmm. This, you know, Walter Wideman, I think is capable of a gig, uh, you know, back and forth. And so you're talking like, I mean, you start thinking about the things like, oh, you could do this too. Oh, wow. You you could have in in our office, for instance, we could have 
uh, a little array that has you know a hundred gigs of storage or a thousand gigs of, you know terabyte of storage just sitting over in the corner with a, a you know an ultra wideband connectivity that the Mac or Chromebook could access. immediately access at gig read write speeds and never have any issue like I need to write something to that and send it to you or whatever I need I just need to I need to edit off this so you don't need cords anymore because yeah. you're you're getting the types of speeds you would have with a corded thing as long as you're in the room and you can see the thing you can connect it that way like there's a bunch of things all of a sudden it's like oh ooh, that would be amazing think about uh, app streaming on Chromebooks mm-hmm. so you've got you know that hooks Bluetooth and that's how it's doing app streaming right now the the esh thing well, imagine if that switches to uh, millimeter wave over time or ultra wideband over time and then your phone and your chromebook both have ultra wideband now they can send that signal over that instead well guess what that that mirror thing where you see your phone that looks fine it's functional now but it's a little choppy and stuff is perfect like smooth completely it works smooth just the same as using your phone yeah, yeah it might as well be <laughs> right. baked right into your device yeah like and you start thinking like it had me really geeked out like when i started thinking about it because for whatever reason like I knew ultra wideband was like going to be a thing and like accessories. I kind of sort of knew that, but then like Verizon's take on it just kind of wore me out a bit. Um, and made me kind of think like, eh, you know, whatever they're doing something with this, but like it doesn't even seem very functional right now. Scratch that like ultra wideband for Verizon works or doesn't work. I don't really care <laughs> at the end of the day. I don't care if that takes off or if that, if they completely shut that down, I don't care what it's going to do for localized devices. Think about AR glasses. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other night. Uh, like in real and all these companies have AR glasses, right? Well, they have to be hooked to something or if they're hooked with Bluetooth, like there's no way you're going to game on a device over Bluetooth, you know, on, on a headset. It's just the, the bandwidth just not there. Millimeter wave fixes that. that. That's fixed. Like I could keep my phone in my pocket and be, it be pushing a millimeter wave signal to the glasses on my face they have all the bandwidth they need to put whatever. Like you don't have to put any of the functionality in the in the headset. It, it could do all of it, and it's low power. So, I mean, it, it would fix all those things. Like AR headsets, you know, where you think like, oh, it's going to be all bulky and stuff. Like I think that's going to it'll change the way that those things work, and then how those work with a Chromebook because how it's all going to play out who knows like it this is one of those fundamental technologies that's like hey we're going to put this out here and just let people go nuts with it and see what happens um and and i'm glad to see chromebooks getting it because it will take a few years like i think you know ultra wideband will take a while before we start to see the complete fruits of it but it's an emerging technology that i'm glad chromebooks will have as those things develop because I can't imagine it'll be too long before we'll get earbuds like wireless earbuds with ultra wideband support. Like you can connect to this with ultra wideband. And guess what that means? Full lossless audio. There's no degradation of sound. This is going to sound as good as the best corded audio experience you can get. Cause we can send every bit of mm-hmm. bandwidth we need over this connection. Like it's, it's going to be cool. Like revolutionary cool uh, from a gadget perspective. It's just, hasn't caught on just yet because it's new you the, know it, it's gonna take some time the bluetooth lobbyists are Ooh. they're sweating right now you better start spending your money on ultra wide <laughs> they're sweating because <laughs> i mean really though this is this is 
it, it's not like your your Bluetooth devices. This is uh, it's it's a this is a new technology. It's not yeah, like your, it's your Bluetooth different. devices are going to be retrofitted or no, anything like that. No, and so, it's so it take will a while. take time. Right, yeah. it's going to take a while. But yeah, imagine that that scenario where we get to the office and you just sit your device down and, boop, oh, yeah, and yeah. connect everything. All your displays and stuff. You everything. Have a, you know, just you don't even need it. Like. As and long as there's a connector, like you might be able to get a retrofitted adapter for your right. display. That's right. you know HDMI over millimeter wave. Hook it into the back slot, and it's then just that signal coming in via that HDMI is now just coming from yeah. this millimeter wave. Or well, think about uh, home theater setups. Home the- I was thinking home theater beam, uh, beam HDMI 4K across the room. Casting stuff, you know, is now mirroring your screen. Whole different thing. Yeah. All of it. I mean. You know, the, the CAS protocol, that's why it was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CAS protocol being able to say for the for the device on the television, instead of going, I got to pull somehow wirelessly from this thing that somebody sent me, can now pull from its own. It the can go connect to the yeah. web and, and pull it down itself. That's why it was revolutionary because casting over Bluetooth or anything is terrible. Uh, I feel like millimeter wave is the the delivery of what we were kind of promised with Wi-Fi direct mm-hmm. yes. Wi-Fi direct just never made it. And I think there were just <laughs> too many bugs <laughs> and problems. There's still stuff that tries to do that a yeah. little bit. Um, the idea with Wi-Fi direct was like, Hey, we'll keep your internet connection, but then your Wi-Fi can also go and directly connect to devices. No need for Bluetooth anymore. And it just, I think it was uh, too costly, uh, too, too much power consumption involved. And I don't know that they could get the, the, the pieces small enough to go into earbuds and sure you know all the peripherals that was, you need that like was gonna be my next question that. is like what what sort of what sort of uh physical technology is required for this sort of stuff like wh- obviously they can get it into phones so yeah they'll, they'll be able to get it into most stuff it's getting but, smaller I, I just yeah i don't know i don't yeah. know how small um i haven't done that that much research and it might already be there i don't yeah. know um makes me, makes me want to stop and start searching yeah, for ultra wideband ear, earbuds real quick Earbuds, watches, like all of that stuff yep. is a great fit for all of this. Well, what, it, it what, came what up the, recently. This, what will the symbol be? Well, <laughs> I found, I found, symbol. yeah, Do if they you have flip one? over, uh, I put that on there. That's the closest thing I found to a kind of a ubiquitous symbol. Hmm. Um, let me check real quick. Ultra wideband logo. Let's see what comes see up. They've got something. Yeah. So that popped up again. Uh, but I've seen the ultra wideband alliance is that uh, right there. So just like there's an alliance for everything else, like to kind of control the standard, um, there's an ultra wideband alliance. So I know that'll be that, but I don't know that that'll be on products. I like um, the one with the two. Go go back to that. Uh, go back to that one that had the two, like that you used on the on the site. Yeah, yeah something like that, like that is interesting. Yeah, and but that was like on a car rental glossary. So I was like, I don't think that's actually a thing. <laughs> Um, let's see what, that's the one I took and used. Uh, don't know what that's from. So yeah, who knows? Like Wi-Fi has got their official thing, right? Like that one's kind of cool. I don't love the flat lines on it though. I don't know. It needs to have something. There needs to be. It's like Bluetooth. Everybody knows. Right. You need to be able to look and see that it, yeah, that it supports that. And that those things will come. I mean, those, these are new standards that, that need time. And the thing is, like, ultra wideband will, will be such a game changing thing in consumer products that I don't think it'll take long. Um, the it's the chicken egg thing, though, right? Like, really, what you need is Apple to mm. just do something with it. 
um That'll They've force, got the closed ecosystem to do that. I mean, yeah, it would be just, it would be cool if they're like, "Hey, all of our stuff is now just like." They do have connects. it on iPhones. Uh, iPhone four thirteen, I think, is the first one that had ultra wideband built in. So the phones have it. So they're clearly getting ready to do something with it. Um, and I think AirTags might use it, but it's Some, it's yeah. not open. Like nobody else could tap into it or something. Um, which you know, with AirTags, they can they can be a little creepy. So I kind of get them kind of keeping that closed up, but. Ideally, yes, someone like Apple, um, Samsung, yeah, maybe, Samsung or both, doing it. Um, cool. putting out you know the phone and then a couple peripherals that work with it. And then like the, the peripherals need to come out and then they need to have like the killer use case. Like they have to. Because um, if you just show up and have earbuds, for instance, I don't think that's going to sway a ton of people. Think general consumers. And they're just like, Okay, it's whatever. It's got to be like lossless audio still? now for the first time in wireless earbuds, maybe. Yeah, I still think the people or will be like... Or even like just seamless connection. My, my Basically closet dream with earbuds would be completely uh, lag-free connection. Yeah. Zero lag. Like, it's just like the wired the same in. as plug. Wired in. It's it's exactly... And there's no reason they wouldn't be. Um, but again, that's a, a nerd thinking about that stuff versus a general consumer. And so... It's like, what is that thing, hmm. you know, that makes it work? Yeah. Uh, printers would be a huge thing. Sure. An ultra HP makes an ultra wideband compatible printer. You have an ultra wideband thing, so now you don't need network printing. It just, it just sees it and prints it. Um, printing would be a, a big one. I think the wireless display stuff is going to be huge. I think um, AR glasses and stuff will be huge. You know, it's anything that you need to move data through um you know i'm not saying that like lossless audio no lag earbuds aren't going to be awesome i just getting people to understand why that's so much better than what we have is going to be tough and so you got to get them off the bluetooth cycle um and figuring out like what's pairing look like with ultra wideband is it simple because it needs to be However you do it, it needs to be super simple because people hate pairing stuff with bluetooth bluetooth even though pairing is not that bad anymore Bluetooth still has that hanging over it. Like, and that's probably never going to go away. People always think like, Oh, I've got to pair this. Thing. How do I get in pairing mode? And they need to make that super simple. Um, yeah. And then I think some of those, you know, wireless speakers and that kind of stuff, all those compatibilities, I think become some of the stuff that changes, you know, I could see Apple 100% using ultra wideband between iPhones and, and Macs and, and iPads, you know, to move it. It's like airdrop, Extreme. nitro you max. know air, air, airdrop pro air, airdrop max pro ultra ultra, ultra max pro. pro max <laughs> pro ultra max pro ultra max yes yeah i it. think that's i i think i read i did see a leak where they were using pro ultra max, <laughs> pro ultra max. No, not pro ultra pro ultra max ultra max pro, mm-hmm. almost like poltergeist mm-hmm. pro ultra max yeah that yeah for sure that's 100 percent happening. Apple's new. You uh, heard it here first. Apple's new pairing. Yep, coming soon. Pearl Max. Coming soon. <laughs> but you know, li- yeah. seriously, if they if they were to roll that out and make sure that they say it's ultra wide band, not call it like magic fairy dust, oh, like they, they would, tend to do, they would probably it'll help ultra wide band. They probably will. Um, they'll probably say it's their thing or something. I don't know. Um, but underlying a lot of stuff, like it's it's going to be tough because Bluetooth. Bluetooth gets used for so many things, and this is so far superior to Bluetooth. Like, it is. Um, the only things that are different, and like where earbuds get a little strange, and some of this stuff gets a little strange, is that it's that line of sight thing. So, 
if if you're used to being able to kind of walk around into the next room and that kind of stuff and stay connected to that speaker you're Bluetooth to, that goes away. Like it, it, it won't make it through the wall. Like it's not like, oh, it'll probably be, no, it won't. It won't make it through the wall. So it it there's going to be limitations to this like it's going to replace bluetooth in in multiple ways it won't 100% replace bluetooth um i don't think uh no i i know for sure it's not like i don't think uh, this is a no for sure there's no way there's certain things bluetooth does that allow you a certain amount of freedom um and and that it's fine for like bluetooth is still going to be fine for um what would be really cool is if one day like things merged where there becomes a standard that's a little bit of both mm, like it's, that a, would be it's interesting. An, 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 uh, an instant fallback mechanism so it's it's connected to both things through this new protocol that's a Simultane- mix simultaneously yeah and so i'll walk in the other room and it's like well i got bluetooth yeah your audio quality might drop down a little bit until you walk back in the room i don't know i mean that's that would be when ultra wideband becomes a fully embraced ubiquitous thing mm-hmm. and It'll take a little while for sure, but I, man, the, the potential of this tech is super interesting. Yeah. Well, this, uh, obviously like T-Mobile and, and Verizon are doing the 5g in home. Um, and I don't, I still don't think, I don't that's know just doing, I don't know if T-Mobile's doing any millimeter wave. Yeah. I'm not sure. But do you think this will, this will, um, eventually be used for. Home, um, like internet home internet stuff <clears throat> it could uh, you would just have to you'd have to get way more strategic with the way that you put your you'd almost have to have a pod in like every room or some sort of receiver and then room. it's not just that that each of those receivers would have to see the other receiver mm. like there'd have to be a clear way for that receiver to put hit this receiver for it to spread the the signal so yeah. it gets a little tough um it reminds me of the early early days and show my age here a little bit back when you know, uh, internet was delivered around rural areas with like line of sight. Uh, like, I don't even know what the heck that was. It was probably something similar, probably some sort of radio wave kind of thing. But you, in order to get it, you had to be within sight of this terminal Man. thing and put a thing on the outside of your house that could see the what thing. What the heck was the name of that? There was a company that I remember. Uh, Kentucky Village Net around here was the yeah, one that did it. There was, there was a, a company that sold hardware to farms that was called Ubiquity. Oh, okay. And they, they had all the long range yeah like, it was you probably could put, low band you could radio your, yeah you could put this receiver on the top of your grain silo right. and you get wi-fi on your whole farm you know your big farm i forget the what what the it was probably the village kentucky village, kentucky net. village wow. net yeah they had a bb or was it, bulletin boards at bbs wow those are early days like that was so early in the internet that we would go to walmart and look they had the yellow pages for the internet He'd look like find the stuff you want to find, and we we jot down on our hand like stuff that we because it's like a phone book. Mm-hmm. You know, you find it's like there's a website called about this. Oh, www dot da, 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 and you know, write it down. Okay, and then we go <laughs> home and check. And we were at first not even sure like we were going to these websites, uh, these old websites, and looking at you know whatever game controllers or I don't know. Yeah, nobody really had much on the internet back then. And uh, we were looking at these websites, and we were just convinced that we were like on the outskirts of the internet. We weren't really in the internet yet because we just figured it would be something so much cooler. And like we didn't realize that that that's no, that's it. That's what this is. It's just <laughs> interconnected, you know, computers showing each other things. Like we just thought, uh, that's neat, but the we real gotta, internet. We got to figure out how the to get real, in. The real internet's yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
internet white pages baby that's great yeah, that don't was... you wish you would have bought every domain you could God. think of at that time to have that sort of like foresight on that yeah like as a futurist i'm not very good uh for me and i don't think most people are um you know like i can sit here and talk about ultra wideband you know being probably being cool and certain things but like i, I don't have the ability to really see like how this thing or like to be this, like i'm gonna make a product that does something with yeah this or i'm gonna, gonna invest be, in yeah. this company that's doing or whatever <laughs> like i just i don't see it that way and so like being younger when that was happening i was in eighth grade ninth grade yeah i just remember being like flabbergasted the first time we and this wasn't even the internet i mean this was technically the internet not the web um we were playing doom 2 and you know got online and the old school you know getting online and typing in an ip address and connecting to a friend across town and playing doom 2 and seeing them move on the screen and we couldn't call them and be like no way dude this is happening because you can't call you know back then it was on your phone line but you know we're able to see him moving and shoot at him and be like oh my god you're over there and we're here and we're doing it like mind blown about that stuff and so yeah i mean i'm i'm of the generation that got to see <laughs> i live with rotary phones uh, and grew up with you know uhf and stuff like that and, you know no remotes on the tv but yeah. also you know fully entrenched in all this stuff too so yeah. uh, it's it's interesting to see this stuff kind of just like take shape and and change over time and i i do really feel like like ultra wideband is going to be one of those formative technologies mm. that 10 years from now, we'll be like, you remember when ultra wideband wasn't even a thing? Yeah. You remember when we hooked everything up with Bluetooth, like a bunch of morons? It was so slow. Oh, idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I think the original question that spawned all that was like home internet and stuff. Like I, I, I don't know that I see that being a thing. Now it would be better, I guess, than Wi-Fi repeaters uh, in the right context, but It'd be have it'd have to be a lot more like strategic uh, in order to do something like that. So yeah, I don't know, and that's where it's like, well, Wi-Fi is still going to serve its purpose. Like Wi-Fi is still going to keep moving. Yeah. Bluetooth is still going to serve its purpose. I just think both of those will get siloed a little bit more, so that ultra wideband can come in and fill in these gaps where we would like Wi-Fi to be better. We mm-hmm. would like networked devices to work a little better, faster. Ultra wideband is going to help do a lot of those mm-hmm. things, and so. Uh, I think it'll be a very useful addition and a, a huge swath of activities that we do that are wireless and making some of the ones that we don't do that we had to plug stuff in for right. go like that stuff could go away uh, over time. And you think about it becoming ubiquitous, like, like Bluetooth, I mean, microphones right. could do this. Could you could get rid of some of the frequency issues you got with those and just use ultra wideband, yeah. you know, as long as it's in the same room, you know, kind of thing. And so video it could, switching, could awesome. maybe we can get rid of all the HDMI cables over time you know i mean it's going to take <laughs> yeah. a lot of time yeah. um and we'll go through obviously we'll go through the the period of uh dongles like here's just an hdmi ultra wideband thing that you can connect to and hook this on the back of this and i don't know what's on the back of that a bunch of hdmi things mm-hmm. you know you get a bunch of dongles hanging off the back of it but then eventually you'll buy one of those with ultra wideband built in you know and, and and some of that stuff can change but yeah. that stuff takes a long time yeah. it just takes a long time less and less nowadays but i five years at best sure. before we see it like before you expect to go buy stuff in the market yeah, yeah you go to best buy and just buy some stuff with ultra wideband in it. so what spurred the article was that you found a device with or is it just that just they're being saying testing it's, it's coming okay. yeah they're just working on it and, yeah in a couple devices cool. uh testing it and 
you know, figuring out how to get it to work and mm-hmm. making sure that just the OS on an operational level has it. So, right. but from a hardware perspective, you're not tracking anything. Uh, that's no, I don't think there were any device. Got it in right now. Yeah, they're adding all attributes in, basically yeah, until to the OS. we until we have more and more devices, more phones, more everything that has this stuff. It's gonna yeah. It's, that's yeah, gonna that chicken limit egg it. Thing. That's gonna limit it automatically right there. Yeah. So because like the time. the uh, Pixel Watch Two uh, was rumored to have ultra wideband coming mm-hmm. to it, and that's one of those things when I saw it, I was like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Moving on, because I'm like, does that mean like five G? Does not mean five G. Uh, it means you know to be able to hook to your phone easier, to be able to hook to, you know, cars are starting to get ultra wideband. So vehicles, so for your key, instead of relying on Bluetooth, which can be Hit or Spotty. miss sometimes. Um, I will say on my Galaxy S23 and the Tesla, it has been rock solid. But for a couple of different Pixel devices I've tried, it has not been great. Uh, the Pixel 7a was good. Um, but the Fold and the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro were be great sometimes. And then it just would not connect. Like, like let me in the car. And I'd have to hold it up so it could use the NFC part of it, you know, to, to get connected. Ultra wideband solves that makes it much easier uh because a couple things you know the bandwidth's better uh the connectivity is better but also the positional tracking is better so the car knows exactly where that key is and so it's not even questioning like is it close enough or is it not close mm-hmm. enough i'm not really sure like it knows exactly where both devices know Down where they to are the centimeter yeah and so yeah. like for those kind of applications that seems like a no-brainer but until you have cars with it right there's no point in having phones with it or watches with it and so just it just takes a while like yeah. you got these alliances around these things have to convince hardware makers like it's worth it do it it's going to be awesome and then the first few that do it are going well we did that and there's nothing to do like there's i think last year's iphone and maybe the one before had ultra wideband and it's like what's it getting used for yeah. probably just about nothing right now yeah. so it's it'll take time yeah. but eventually i think it's gonna be awesome yeah really really awesome Speaking of new Chromebooks, I don't even know if you mentioned Chromebooks. I was trying to think of a transition. Yeah, we're talking about Walter White yeah. on Chromebooks specifically. On Chromebooks. Speaking of new Chromebooks, you have been using, I've seen it in there on your desk, Yeah, the 714. So let's give kind of a hot take preview of the review that we'll be doing very soon on that device. Yeah. Um, I would, might not I, be out until next hope, week, probably. Yeah, I hope next week it will be out. But yeah. it, you, when you're listening to this, there's a chance it might be out. It might not. We'll link it if it is. Obviously. If it is, yeah. Um, so if you messed with, Saul, read about the Spin 714 last year, a lot of people, the headline for it was they kind of did away with the 713 line that people liked a lot for the last three years. Uh, kind of changed it up and went with this. This is definitely the... They didn't make another 713, and I don't know that they're going to, um, unfortunately, because people love that device. The 513 is a great example of that form factor being great. I uh, hope they refresh the 513 with uh, a, new, a new MediaTek chip at some point down the road. But for right now, uh, the 513 is the one that holds kind of that form factor, the 3x2, and the 714 is kind of this new thing. If you saw anything about the 714 from last year, including... Uh, news that it was they're not going to make a 713 and this is the new thing uh the the new 714 isn't really changing any of that uh it literally is the same <laughs> yeah. chassis i'm quite certain it's the exact same screen which is not a problem um in the same keyframe probably the same trackpad it is a different color it's the kind of the dark gray mm-hmm. that acer tends to use 
I kind of like the the Navy. I know Navy's kind of everyone's doing that right now, but that the the 714 looked good in Navy, but whatever. Um, the exact same build quality. It's a nice firm aluminum. Uh, not the thinnest thing in the world, but just it just feels good. Like pick it up, it's like yeah, this is good. This is well built. No creaking, no moving, no no bending. Uh, backlit keys. They removed the stylus, the stowed stylus. They dropped thirty bucks off the price. They still did not include a fingerprint scanner. 350-ish nit screen. They were listed at 340. They said they tested it internally higher. We tested it internally a little bit higher, 350, 360. Um, nice bright screen, 16 by 10, 14-inch display. Screen I love it. I like that saucy. size. I, I, I just I think it's great. I like 3 by 2 as well, but 16 by 10 makes me just as happy. Mm-hmm. Like it's It's got a little bit extra height to it, and it's nice. It still stays nice and compact. Um, I think three by two screens sometimes make the whole device feel a little bit like long when you open it up. Well, and you end up getting kind of bigger bezels on the bottom sometimes. Yeah, because you're still trying like, to fit in a keyboard and trackpad, right. right? So and so, yeah, it's you know the the sixteen by ten is a, a nice mm-hmm. and it's got really small bezels. Even on the bottom bezels, really small for a, a convertible device. Um, upward firing speakers that are mediocre, they're fine. Um, and I think that's the same from last year. But it's got a quad HD uh, webcam. And some of Acer's temporal noise reduction, and like it, it, it exposes the shot nicely, even in darker conditions. It does a good job, uh, but you're getting some extra pixels there. I don't know what quad HD turns into in a pixel count. I know two megapixels is full HD, so I don't know two point five, three megapixels. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really matter. It's a quad Call HD. Call it three. Yeah, it's quad <laughs> HD. It's got a little flippy uh, thing over the camera. You know, and it still works with USI pins. So if you have a USI pin, it's fine. It works with it. Um, I don't know. I wish they would have kept the stowed stylus. It's just a fun added feature. Or I wish they would have said, no stylus, here's a fingerprint scanner. Mm, like, that would have been kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, added in, swapped in. Because um, it feels like the type of device that should have one. Like, it's just really refined and nice. Um, but 13th gen Intel Core i5. It's one of the few 13th. I think there's one other 13th gen device. Maybe. One of the few, um, and eight gigs of RAM, two fifty six gigs of storage, just like last year. Uh, brought the price down to six ninety nine to start, but it's been on sale like three times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's down in the five hundreds range, and at that price, well, what silly was it? Sauce. What was it on this last sale? Five twenty nine, I think. Yeah, uh, five sixty nine. Five sixty nine. Thirty or hundred thirty dollars off. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah. So that's five sixty nine. Uh, we've seen it as low. I think they did two hundred off of it at one point, so it was four ninety nine. Um, either one of those prices for this, I, I think six ninety nine is fair. Um, is it's that it's that kind of quality mm-hmm. device. It's a great keyframe, super enjoyable to use. It just I I really really enjoy. I, I enjoyed last year seven fourteen, and people dunked on it a little bit because of the, you know, everyone liked the seven thirteen. They just did, and it's a weird thing for Ace to get rid of, but whatever. That's what they did. It's, it's their prerogative. As long as they build a good Chromebook, I don't really care. And this one is. Uh, the last year's was as well. So this is going to be a little bit faster. Uh, 13th gen kind of keeps all the same processes, cores and stuff. It just uh, clocks things up a little bit. So it's a little faster uh, with a lot of the same internal stuff. And great keyboard, great trackpad, great screen, great build quality. You know, give me a fingerprint scanner, maybe better speakers. And it's like in contention for Chromebook of the year. Like it's because of the price, you know, like is the Dragonfly Pro better? Yeah, but... It's a little more limited, you know. It, the The Pro doesn't have a convertible form factor. This one does. Uh, the The Pro is you, know, you can buy two of these for the price of the Pro, so that you have to factor that kind of thing in. So, you know, I 
I think the lack of a couple of those features sets it back a little bit, but it's fantastic. It yeah. is a great Chromebook. Um, I was happy to get it in and start using it. It's it's just fun to use. Uh, it's a very enjoyable device. Yeah. Does it have Does it have the little cut-ins on the side? No, it's that boxy, <coughs> the boxy newer design. Acer. Cause this, yeah, that's kind of more of this. Yeah, this one's got the slide and the cuts. Oh, okay. You see I it. thought when this the, one. The wave, the Acer mm-hmm. wave. Acer wave. It just makes it look, oh, the front of this is so thin. It's a, it's a callback. You know you yeah. know who did that first? No. MacBook Air. Ah. So the MacBook Air did that whole swoopy side thing because it makes it look from up here. It makes the side look ultra thin. It's a optical illusion. Yeah. Um, I prefer just make your device thin and box <laughs> yeah, off the sides. Right. I, I I prefer the kind of more industrial yeah. look. And you look at Macs now that they are actually that thin. They they did away with that yeah. kind of stuff because they don't need to they don't need to slope them that much. Yeah, and I'm sure it probably doesn't help the structural integrity and it just looks a little dated. Yeah, uh, so I like that Acer's kind of boxing out some of those and like their 516 is just just big boxy and I love that thing mm-hmm. so much. I worked for me you yesterday on the road. Say, you you had it yesterday and I was like, oh man. Every time I mess with that device, like, I'm like, I love this Chromebook. I love it. It is my favorite. It's a it's a. It's a big boy, but it's not like three point seven pounds. Yeah, but it's it not doesn't, heavy. and it doesn't even. I don't know. Like it doesn't. It doesn't look gaudy. Like yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't look ridiculous. It doesn't look like that Lenovo gaming <laughs> thing you had. You yeah, know, it's, it doesn't have that look, but it's still that nice big screen. Um, yeah, it's so wonderful. yeah. Uh, we'll we'll obviously get this review. We're going to get it captured today. We will have it out as soon as we can get yeah. it out. Yeah, we'll say so, that. So. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, uh, maybe it'll be out. If not, just check the website, chromabox.com. I think honey's, honey's going to break honey's in. Out there, honey's out there knocking, so we need to go take care of the dog. <laughs> we appreciate you all tuning in and listening and watching. If you are watching over on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up, click subscribe, and click the notification bell. Ding, if you do, ding. If you do all three of those things, you're our friend. Robbie will... Don't put me on the hook. A Superman shirt next week. I don't own a Superman shirt. I don't know. I'm a how, Batman guy. I don't know how we're gonna track this, but we're gonna figure it out, folks. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. See you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes over at chromeunboxcom forward slash podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, make sure to check out our website, chromeunboxed.com, and follow us on social media by searching for at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.